Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, hello, it's IGN UK podcast number 241. Today I am joined by Christopher Tilly. Bonjour, pod people. Richard Verifark. Hello there. My name's Daniel Kruper. Now we're going to round up the week's news. I'm going to talk to some people about competitive gaming in the UK. You excited about that, Chris? Yeah. Cool. Yep. And first up, we're going to talk about Comic Con news because last week we talked about Comic Con. We didn't know what happened at Comic Con because Comic Con no. hadn't happened. It was our pre Comic Con podcast. Yeah. Uh, what happened at, at Comic Con? Well, there was a big Warner Brothers DC reveal. They probably kind of won Comic Con with what they showed. I mm. think people went crazy for it. Footage that we'll oh. never be able to see again, unless unless you find it on YouTube before yes. it gets taken down. Yeah, it doesn't get gets, taken down very quickly but though. You but you sort by uploaded date. <laughs> you just <laughs> yeah. find it when it's been <laughs> uploaded again. So they um they had uh, it was exciting. They had the Batman vs Superman cast on stage. So Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, and Gal Gadot came on stage so it was cool to see the three of them together for the first time and then they showed a clip which was uh of batman our first look at affleck the batfleck yeah. uh and superman floating in the sky and the two of them about to go to it sounded like properly gothic or yeah. like comic book batman so it was frank like... millery batman yeah like well rainy op- dark it, it opens up with like rain um lightning a crackle of thunder, the bat signal, and then Batman turns around and he's wearing an armoured suit, a powered mm. suit. So it's almost like slightly mech-like suit. And he, his eyes are glowing white. So you can't see his eyes. It's kind of a visor over his eyes. It makes him look really menacing. Yeah, it makes him look kind Badass. of like he does in the cartoons when mm. you don't see the pupils or human eyes in Batman's cowl. You see like white. Mm. And he looks up to the sky where the bat signal is being projected there's a, a, a flash of lightning and it reveals Superman just floating there. Close up of Superman, eyes begin to glow red. Boom. That's Batman cool. V Superman. So I assume he's using the powered suit, which is running off the electricity from Gotham City, similar to what's in the Dark Knight Returns comic book mm. by Frank Miller, which this film is riffing off. Yeah. To. We don't know to what degree, really. That's how, if you remember, rewind a year ago, mm. that's how Schneider kind of revealed it to the comic book audience. Yeah, you, you read out audience. a quote from the book, didn't you? Yeah, he? and everyone knew what that was instantly. So it's definitely a touch point for the project. Mm. Um, definitely sounds like they're going to go at it. Yeah. And the power to two enables Batman to maybe give a little bit back. Um, yeah, definitely. He's going to need all that power, isn't he, against Superman? So he's a bit of a. You need all the power you can get against Superman, Rich, yeah. and especially pretty much the strongest person I can think of. He's pretty much, yeah, yeah. Well, or, or, the, rock, the Rock's pretty strong. And that yeah. other guy, Mario Pujanowski, who is always winning World's Strongest Man on Channel Five, <laughs> who's always re- he's lifting <laughs> who those would big stone Batman or him. Well, I'd like to see Batman lift those big sto- stone boulders onto those increasingly small plinths. Can the Man of Steel rip up more yellow pages than Jeff Capes? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Because in my childhood, every week, Jeff Capes would be on children's television ripping up yellow pages. Well, I thought... He, was, he did, even did it on an episode of Sooty. It, that's not about strength, though. It's a technique, isn't yeah, it? A technique. You, you spread it, so you're effectively ripping a page at a time. Yeah, you squeeze it so you've got a pocket of air in between each page. We've gone a long way from Kansas. But can Rich, can you can you rip up <laughs> our yellow pages, then? You're talking about it like yeah. you've done it. I'll do it right now on the audio podcast. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Oh, um, wow, that's impressive. That's good. That was good, that, wasn't it? Get back to Comic Con uh, just momentarily. <laughs> so then, then, then they brought them out on stage. Brought Henry Cavill out on stage, and they brought Ben Affleck out on stage. A lot of handsome there. Ooh, a lot of handsome. A lot, lot of strong chinage going on. God, imagine <laughs> if they had a child; it would be all chin. It would be they Jimmy Hill. Murdoch. It would be Jimmy Hill. Um, and then Gal Gadot came out. And then, if that wasn't enough for that audience, they didn't even speak. Those three actors, and they revealed a picture of Gal Gadot. Yeah, as Wonder Woman. Our first look of her. At her as Wonder Woman. So, what did you think of that, Chris? She looks she's pretty. She's quite pretty. <laughs> she's a pretty lady. <laughs> mm. uh, well, it's it's a it's it's a departure from the Wonder Woman of the TV series, which is yeah. the Wonder Woman that I know because I didn't. I've not really read the Wonder Woman comics. Uh, it's much more warrior like, isn't it? The yeah, outfit well, she's wearing is kind of 
metal chain mail. Yeah, the the comparisons in the week were oh, it's quite like Xena Warrior Princess, but you know she is kind of a warrior princess. Yeah, and she would have kind of some armor to rationalize it. Yeah, um, but we but we're just used to seeing her in a more of a stars and stripesy kind. Yeah, of, the more yeah the iconic uh, yeah. outfit, but maybe that would look ridiculous. I think that was some criticism leveled at. The, the the TV show that didn't get off the ground, the, the pilot. It was too much like that. Yeah, well, it looked ridiculous. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the, that, it, it does look too ridiculous, I think, especially in what... We don't obviously don't know much about Snyder's universe. We've only seen one film in it. Mm. But maybe it would be... I don't know, but Superman's still wearing his iconic, yeah. slightly ridiculous outfit as well. But it's his dad's. <laughs> it's his dad's. <laughs> it, means hope. it means hope. That's it changed means... a bit as well, hasn't it, since um, since Man of Steel? Very slightly. I, I thought it was quite minimal. Mm. In what way? I don't know. I just know it's changed. I think, I think it's very minimal, that the changes that they've done to his suit. Well, they, had yeah. the, um, they had the Batman cowl on display at Comic-Con as well. You could go up and look at it up close. Yeah. Apparently it had a nice texture. Did it? You yeah. could touch it? No, you couldn't touch it, Chris. You could just touch it with your eyes. Right. But some um, people touched it. Oh, he was behind glass. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> maybe Kitty Fry touched it. And man maybe touched it. Um, what else then? Any other big That was the big news. Things? Like, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson being all cheeky. Yeah. Teasing that he's going to be Shazam or Black Adam. That never panned out. No. There was no announcements about the Justice League, really, or future DC projects. There was no Jason Momoa. No. None of that. Like, so it almost makes you doubt whether... The slate that got leaked for DC had any authenticity to it. Yep. You know, you're building this universe. You thought I thought they would have maybe put a, I don't know, a flag in the sand somewhere and gone, oh, this is our next movie. Like, we all know Justice League is happening, but something a bit more tangible. Yeah. That didn't happen. I thought the Marvel panel, we revealed that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has a release date, 2017. And James Gunn released that. But again, I don't think Marvel had many blockbuster announcements. Saying that, it's still pretty powerful when you can bring out probably one of the greatest casts ever assembled, known to man, mm. and have all the Avengers. No Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett, without Scarlett Johansson. She was pregnant, wasn't it? And, and no Joss Whedon, because he's pregnant as well. Pregnant with genius. Um, <laughs> he wasn't there, but they were all there on stage, which is yeah. pretty impressive. Um, yeah. They revealed... They showed some concept footage, um, not concept footage, some actual footage was apparently very impressive. I've not seen that leaked no, anywhere. That's very difficult to find. Yeah, if you go on Marvel um, subreddit, you can you can listen to the audio of it if you want and just, you know, Imagine. touch yourself. That's what I did on Saturday. <laughs> uh, but again, no no big reveals from them. We we thought we'd get Doctor Strange, didn't we? No, no Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange casting Not even news. like... It's got a director, but still not made really an official announcement about it. No. Which is very bizarre. You'd hope that maybe they're knee-deep in contract negotiations but, or something. Yeah, but there were some Ant-Man announcements, weren't there, Rich? There were indeed. And I have four key points to tell you Hit me. from the Ant-Man uh, Comic-Con panel. Um, so, Evangeline Lilly came out, and she has now been confirmed as Hank Pym's daughter for Ant-Man. Uh, so that's um, so the actress uh, revealed during the Hall H panel that she plays Hope Pym, the daughter of Michael Douglas's Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man inventor of miniaturization superhero suit. There you go. Yep. So there you go. Uh, Hank Pym is not fond of superheroes. So even though principal photography doesn't officially commence until August the 18th in Atlanta, Marvel brought some footage that they shot with the new director, Penton Reed, so they could have something to show fans at, uh, at Comic-Con. The sequence starts in an empty lab as we hear the voices of Michael Doug- as of Michael Douglas' Hank Pym talking to Paul Rudd's um, Scott Lang about how superheroes are a goddamn joke who cause a lot of mayhem and destruction. But Pym needs Scott to take the mantle of Ant-Man in order to handle a small job. Yep, so we saw some footage. Yeah, sounded good. Some- so so the, the theory with this is that he is world-wearied, and that might make him, because he's like one of the founding members of the Avengers, Hank Pym in the comics. And obviously, he's not going to be part of the Avengers this time around. Maybe, mm. the th- you know, the, the Paul Rudd incarnation might be going forward. But it sounds like he might almost, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, be one of the very first superheroes. Almost like he was around, he predates them all. Which mm. would be, I think would be really interesting to have Michael Douglas as the first hero in that universe. Yeah. But is that going to make sense? In the, if, it, if it's part of the Avengers universe and there's been no mention, there's been superheroes previous to no Iron mention, Man. There's been no mention, but and- maybe, maybe wasn't 
maybe he wasn't very successful. Maybe he developed a suit and was mm. on a course and a trajectory to be a superhero and then maybe something terrible happened mm. and then he got put off the idea and the world's kind of forgotten about there being a hero. But all this so. connectivity, they've got so many plates to keep spinning, haven't they? Well, yeah. It's really write it's yourself into a corner. Yeah. You? Interesting though. Yeah. What, what else, Rich? Um, so we've got Darren Cross. Uh, so Corey, Corey Stoll plays Darren Cross in Ant-Man, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket. And that's uh, an actor that you'll probably know from House of Cards and Midnight in Paris. Um, so he's going to become Yellow Jacket, a pseudonym once used by Pym in the Marvel comics. So that's okay. probably a villain. So the thing is with this, people are wondering whether how much there might be flashbacks. So you might get some retro action in Ant-Man, perhaps. Mm. So a younger Ant-Man. A young, a young Michael Douglas. Yeah. And the Yellow Jacket might be in the flashback. Cool. Yep. And one last thing, Hank Pym and Darren Cross's relationship. So, suggesting an inversion of the Tony Stark-Stain relationship from the first Iron Man movie, Ant-Man sees Darren Cross as Hank Pym's star protege, who later takes over Pym's company, but who harbours a dark agenda for it. This will lead him to become Yellow Jacket and spur Pym to seek out the help of Scott Lang to don the Ant-Man suit in his stead. In his steed, sorry. So, okay. So, a few more plot details. Yeah. Uh, I've I haven't seen the the footage that they released. Have you managed I'm to? Seen, I'm not seen it. I can't, I'm that. not finding it anywhere online. Yeah, but it's not been released. That's just no. concept, anyway, isn't it? So that's kind of yeah. And there's been concept footage in the past. There was that kind of with their sizzle that's stuff. been around for a yeah, while. The, yeah. the, the helmet, that man helmet, was on display at Comic Con as well. It's basically the best place you want to go if you want to go look at clothing in glass boxes. Yeah, they've been <laughs> yeah. helmets there in San Diego. It's quite a few in there. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Looking forward to Ant-Man. Anything else from Comic-Con? I think that's it for Comic-Con. That was I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna, that's it. Honestly, that was DC, it. Marvel, boom. Yeah, and you can buy some limited edition Lego. I mean, it's all over the site, though. We, we covered all the TV, all yeah. the film panels, all the comic panels. If you want to know anything about Comic-Con... Or there's so IGN. much TV stuff as well that comes out of that. Very excited about Hannibal Season 3. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Hannibal Season 2 finale, but you've not seen I'm it. I'm nearly there. I'm, I'm, I'm playing catch-up. Oh, you've been raving about I'll that. Spend well. I'll spend Saturday finishing it off. Well, the finale was on TV in the UK this week, um, like months after it aired in America. Oh, blimey, Charlie. I'll make myself some chilled monkey brains and watch the final. It's just got a nice Chianti. Yeah, some mm. fava beans. Some fava beans, nice. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, do you want some video game news, Chris? Yes, please. I know you want it. Um, right, EA, EA revealed this initiative this week called EA Access. It is an exclusive subscription if you have an Xbox One only. You can pay three ninety nine a month or about, well, it's $30 a year. I don't know what it is in pounds a year. Mm-hmm. And basically what you do is you get access to four of EA's titles, FIFA 14, Madden, 25, Peggle 2, and Battlefield 4. So it's a subscription model. So you don't have to buy these games, but if you pay that monthly instalment, you have unlimited access to them. It's a kind of a Spotify, Netflix kind of mm. So these idea. games are streaming? Are they? No, you download them, right. but it's kind of like PS Plus. If you don't renew your subscription, you're locked out of them. Right, okay. So it's, Yeah, so that's important to distinguish. It's not like PlayStation Now, where you yeah. play a set fee and you're streaming the games. Mm. You, you pay a set fee, lets you have access to them. Mm. You start on renew your subscription, you're blocked out. Yeah. Hmm. Four games doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't. That's the beta. I think. I think the plan is to expand it over time, and obviously, mm. when FIFA 15 comes out, that will replace FIFA 14. Yeah. But they've talked about this for a long period of time. People <coughs> have mooted the idea that, especially with annualized games and particularly sports games, that you adopts of what is a quite a sports idea you buy a season ticket yeah if you like if you want an xbox one basically to play call of duty battlefield and play fifa and you're just really into that and there's nothing wrong with that that's just how you liked the games you really mm. into it's hard every year to justify you shelling out 50 quid but if it's those little incremental payments and you get access to loads of other games yeah you might be more inclined to do it yeah because once fifa 15 comes out it just replaces it and it's quite it's quite a smart business model. Is that you know, in the same way that Spotify, I've built up all my playlists now. So if I stop, you know, paying for Spotify, I'd lose all that oh, stuff yeah, I built yeah. up. And it's the same with games. The, the power ups you built up and all the different yeah. bits and pieces you bought in games and collected along the way, yeah, you lose all that once you stop yeah. the subscription. And so it's quite a smart way to to hook you in and, yeah. and keep you in. Because like on PS Plus, I've been a PS Plus member for ages, so I've downloaded loads of free games through the PS Plus. Um, um, scheme and one month I forgot to renew it and it lapsed 
I was realizing all my games that I play a lot, yeah. I was locked out of. So it kind of forced my hand. Also, paying, you know, four quid a month, you're not going to notice that going, really. It's a pint, isn't it, really? London pint. Yeah, they? they'll up yeah. it a pound every couple of years. And before you know it, you're paying 400 quid a month. Yeah. And you've lost your house, you've lost your job, you've lost your wife and child. But you know what? you still got access to Peggle 2. Yeah. And that's all you need. <laughs> you've got no electricity to the play matter. it. matter. Peggle 2. Got it. Play it in your mind. <laughs> you need. A, you probably will need a subscription model to play games in your mind in the play very near in future. in your mind. So that is a roundup of this week's news. Right there. Yeah, half the press. Boom. Now, so next up, I'm going to be speaking to Martin and Paul, who are from Gfinity. And Gfinity are having a big um, gaming competition this this weekend in London. So I'm going to talk to them more about that. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm here with Martin and Paul. Is that right? Bang on the money. So which one's Paul so people can recognise your voices? Uh, I'm Paul. And you're? I'm Martin. So first off, who are you guys? We are Gfinity, which isn't, I mean, the way that I've said that makes us sound like a, a boy band, doesn't it? No, but we are Gfinity. We're, um, uh, well, from our perspective, the UK's leading esports company. So what's the origins of the company? Like, How long have you guys been doing this for? So we've been involved in esports for 15, 16 years, since before it was called esports, back in the days of Doom and Quake. Uh, over that time, we've been players, we've been coaches, we've been tournament organisers, we've been website admins, so on and so forth, but all voluntary, all maybe some of us were pro pro gamers as they were called back in the day, so on and so forth. And over the last year and a half, we decided now was the time to launch our own company and show everybody what we've learned over the years and what we think we can add to the esports scene. So what are your respective roles within the company? Like, do you, yeah, so and what's, I, your, I, and what's your background? Like, you say you've been involved with esports for a long time. Was that formerly as competitors and... Uh, competitors, then volunteers for people like uh, iSeries, for example. And then we had our own website called the WGL, which was the biggest console uh, esports gaming website in Europe. And then that then came on to Gfinity. And what's your... So my role at Gfinity is um, I head up partner relations. So it's my job to go out and make sure that the work that we do on behalf of and with people is up to a high standard do the sponsorship side of things, bit of business development here and there, shake hands, make sure that everybody's experience with Gfinity, be that player, uh, spectator, viewer, is of is of a high quality. So we're speaking on the eve of your third event, is that right? The eve of the eve. Yeah, so this is G3. Can yes. you just outline what G3 is that's ha- taking place in London this weekend? Yeah. Like so the scale of it? Kind of. Yeah, this, yeah. Um, G3, from our perspective, is madness. No, it's the it's the biggest thing we've ever done. So G, G3 is a four-game um, eSports event at the professional level. So at the uh, at the event, we have StarCraft 2, which is a WCS global event in partnership with Blizzard. We have FIFA 14, Call of Duty Ghosts, and uh, CSGO. So we're operating four tournaments inside one arena um, with a prize pot, total prize pot of $145,000 between the four games. And it's something that you know has never been done in, in the UK before. It's being held at the Copper Box Arena at the Olympic Park, an iconic sporting arena. You know, we're going to have over 4,000 spectators there over the weekend. It's going to be um, what we, yeah, pardon the pun, game-changing in, in many respects. You know, when we... When we decided to take Gfinity seriously, not that we weren't before, but you know, got got the financial backing and really take it forward, G3 for us was kind of a dream. So when we started with G1, we started small. It was invite only. G2 was a step in the right direction. You know, higher production levels, more teams, small small number of spectators. And G3 for us, even though it's massive, um, represents the natural next step for us, the natural sort of ramp up in in our plan about pushing esports and developing esports to the mainstream. And yeah, like Martin says, not only are we putting the best uh, arena together, the best uh, spectators, or the biggest spectators we've got in the UK, we've also have the biggest teams in the world. So, for example, we have the likes of NIP coming over from Sweden. We have eight teams coming over from North America. We have the biggest casters in the world, the biggest presenters, so on and so forth. We're one of the only companies in Europe who can get all the teams, all the presenters to one place, particularly in the UK. It's very hard to do. Yeah, we try to pitch it as world class. And, you know, again, echoing what Paul said, you know, the arena speaks for itself um, because we have to give people the right stage. But like Paul said, the relationships that we have with the various teams in these games means that we can say that 
we're really happy to have you know the top three StarCraft players mm. in the world coming over, and that's by WCS rankings. You know the the top well top ten Call of Duty teams in the world and two excellent uh, teams on you know up and coming that we've that have got through our qualification process. We've got legendary CS:GO teams and amongst the sixteen FIFA fourteen players we've got, you've got three multiple time sort of world champions and and stuff. So it's really great to to be able to bring to the UK something that is literally world class and give you know give esports a bit of a boost, give the spectators something to get excited about, give us something to really be proud of. So this is the third event, and you say it's growing each and every time. What is, do you think, the potential and the scope for it to go in the future? And also from a business perspective, you know, aligning yourself with partners, how difficult is it to sell in these events to people who maybe are quite uninitiated into the world of esports? Is it quite difficult to get them on side when you're looking for support? Uh, the smile probably says yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, and the only, re- the only reason being, I mean... It- Esports is um, esports or professional gaming, competitive gaming, however, however you kind of view it, is such an impressive story yeah. that it's almost too good to be true. So when you sit in front of you know main mainstream sponsors, big household brands, you present the numbers, you show them the visuals. It's very they get excited very 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 quickly. But there's a there's a there's a level of nervousness. You know, there's a massive education process you've got to go through with with these guys to say, look, this one, this is a real thing. Yeah. It exists. Two, it's no longer niche. It's a movement and it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, the consumption is doubling year on year. Uh, and three, you should be involved. And if you're not, somebody else will. But what I, my experience is, and I don't know if Paul agrees, is that, you know, it's going to take one. It's going to take one big mainstream brand to go, okay, bang, in they go. Then the rest will follow. I mean, Coke have got in- involved recently through Coke Zero mm-hmm. with... Um, uh, with League of Legends, haven't they? Yeah, League of Legends challenge, and I think Martin's entirely right. It's not often I'll say that, but it's true. It's, <laughs> when you go and speak to these mainstream companies, you show them the numbers, you show them the figures, you show them the movement, and it is a movement, and they do get really excited. But then equally, at the same time, when you tell them it's computer games, ultimately, yeah. so it's a big education process. You have to get them down, you have to get them to see it, you have to get them to understand that ultimately, this is just Sunday League, this is football, this is rugby, but it's just on a different platform. So um, do you think some of that scepticism comes from the fact that esports happens and it's covered in different kind of non-traditional media? Mm-hmm. So it's not on television in mm-hmm. the same way. It's not covered in daily newspapers. But it's insanely popular. It's covered on places like, you know, IGN in the last year. We, we started covering things like Evo, you know, the international. You know, if you go to IGN on the weekend, we'll stream it live from the homepage. Yeah. And that's something we're internally, um, IGN readers will notice this, we're, something we're focusing on as a big kind of company-wide kind of um, point of interest. We've started up a new show that's dedicated just to esports. Okay. And it's really resonating and finding, uh, I think our existing audience is latching onto it, but also we're finding new people coming to IGN because of that content. Mm-hmm. They want to consume it. Um, do you think some of the scepticism comes from the fact that it's this huge thing, but loads of people just never have seen it happen? I, th- I think that's one of the biggest problems still left facing esports is how, how to educate people who are watching this. who have never come yeah. across the game. How do you get all this thousands, thousands of thousands of bits of information that's happening on screen at one point in time? How do you educate them with what's going on? Because if you take football... We all know, we all understand football when we see it in the TV, but that's because we grew up playing it at school. Yeah. We've been educated through other means. With esports, you see it in front of the, front of you in the television. All these numbers are behind it, so on and so forth. But high level esports happens so fast. Mm. If you've not played it to some level, you won't understand what's going on. That's actually my next question. Like I was going to say, do you have to play the game to really find it entertaining? No. Do you think? We think we're now changing away from that traditionally, hundred percent. But I think with the use of people like Twitch. Uh, live streaming, uh, YouTube even, people are now watching and consuming esports every single day without ever playing it, uh, which is quite new and refreshing. And it's, I don't know if Martin agrees with this. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I I think that you don't have to be, I do agree that you don't, now that you don't have to be a incredibly skilled gamer to be able to enjoy esports. And I'd say that from my own personal perspective, because, you know, having always been a gamer and played video games for as long as I can remember, I never played at a high level. I never even competed. And I only really, you know, got properly exposed to esports about 14 months ago. 
But I have to say, the moment I was, it was addictive. It was, it was, it was incredibly enjoyable. You know, you sat in front of um, a massive screen watching two teams play uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Two for for money, and the energy and the professionalism and the skill level is 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 addictive. And I think that so many people now are covering esports from different angles that you it's quite easy to find a way to to get a a, a way in a, in a way that you can understand. So. Like Paul said, either that's through YouTube is doing, okay, this is how, you know, you start playing competitively. This is how you do a particular move in a particular game. Or, you know, some of the production stuff that we do at Gfinity where, you know, we'll use particular casters and particular presenters that will talk through the action and explain the action in a way that doesn't turn off the expert. They don't find it boring or, not, you know, they feel like they're being told out to suck eggs. But at the same time, an, a novice can come and sit down and go, okay, I get this. I understand why that's good, why that's exciting, and why they shouldn't have done that. If, if you completely never watched esports before, what kind of game, which game would you recommend people kind of tuning into? I would recommend a game like Call of Duty or Counter-Strike purely because you may not understand the rules, you may not understand who's got to plant a bomb or, or whatever type of mode it is, but you generally understand the, the basic top, concept yeah. of shoot him before he shoots yeah. me. So it's easier to pick up where StarCraft, Dota 2, League of Legends, these games are a lot more complicated. Nuanced, yeah. And yeah, so it's maybe slightly harder to, to get involved so in. So what games would people tend to find at one of your events? So well, at, G, at G3, and um, G, G3 as an event is a kind of a replication of the games that we offer on our website, gfinity.net, plug. Um, so it's FIFA 14, StarCraft 2, um, CSGO and Call of Duty Ghosts. We also do Dota 2 on the website. We were going to do Dota 2 at G3, but um, with the international yeah. and that prize pot being $42.9 billion or or whatever it was, we couldn't compete. Insane, I think everyone understands yeah. that. So we decided to focus on the core games. So they're, they're the core games that we have on the website and at G3 um, this weekend. Um, you know that, that portfolio will change. So as games evolve, you know we'll, we'll add the new ones in. But we're, we're very much a community-focused company we reach out to the community constantly for feedback what games should we be playing what modes of which games do you enjoy do you find competitive would you like to win money playing um, and we go that way we take you know we built our website around community feedback g3 is built on community feedback so you know whatever it is that is um popular whatever it is that you know you have to be business-minded in many respects so it's marketable as well um you know that's what we that, that's kind of our strategy is built around that really um, what advice would you give someone maybe listening to this podcast who has never been part, never played competitively, but thinks that they are good enough to get involved and compete? What what steps would they take? Uh, without doing another shameless plug, come to our website, uh, gfinity.net. <laughs> we have ladders, leagues, cups, uh, tournaments for all levels and abilities. We we have a facility. We our site facilitates you to be able to find a team, be it a team of two people, be it a team of two hundred people. We offer you the platform to do that. Whatever level you want to take it to, we can assist you with that. Yeah, we, we the, the way that we built the website was um, we went to the community and said, right, what is it you love about gaming websites? What is it you hate about gaming websites? Everything they hated and every barrier they come up with, um, we've just literally removed. So, um, and all the stuff that they love, all the features that they were on a wish list, you know, we have introduced and sort of will introduce now over sort of a fortnightly release cycle. Some of the barriers that people were worried about was, oh, you know, I don't want to go on and spend money on a website and get battered every time yeah. I play. I want to play don't against people with my own ability. So we've created that. It's too complicated to join up. It's a 25-click process. We've removed that. I think you can do pretty much anything on our website within four or five clicks, something like that. Um, you, like Paul said, you can compete in any game um, whenever you want. We make sure there are competitions every day across all the games, either as a ladder, a league, a cup, a bespoke tournament that we might build. So what we've tried to do is actually open up the access points to everybody. So, you know, we, we call gfinity.net um, the home of esports because we want everybody to play a part and, and, and take take advantage of it and get involved, not just because we want the most amount of people on our website, but because we genuinely believe, because we've reached out to the community, and even though it was built by us, it was built for them, that they will benefit from using it. Awesome. Um, so the event's taking place in London this week, G3. Yeah. So that's August the 2nd and 3rd. Yep, correct. And this will go out on Friday. Will people still be able to get tickets yes. for that? Right, so they'd be able to, if they listen to this on Friday. Yes, go to ticket. G no, yeah, go to g3.gfinity.net. They'll still be able to get them. But say they 
aren't listening this weekend, what's next? What's the next event if people want to come along? Can you say anything about that or when it might be? Well, we we have we will be hope we hopefully will be in a position to make an announcement about that um, at the weekend. So just keep your eyes on the website really, gfinity.net. That's where all the news comes out. Twitter at gfinity. Uh, what I suppose it's fair to say is that you know. A lot of, a lot of, there have been some esports companies that have cropped up in the past and, and have been a false dawn. You know, yeah, we are yeah. here, we've been here 14 months, we're not going anywhere. You know, we are we are the gaming community ourselves and and we're very, very passionate about the development of esports. I think you asked the question, that we kind of, we kind of missed it halfway through about where we, where we see it yeah. going. And, you know, Paul and I are in utter agreement which like he said earlier on doesn't happen often but we we just see it growing and growing and growing so this is the first arena type event multi-game arena type esports event that's ever taken place at the UK that doesn't mean it'll be the last we actually believe this will be the first of many great Martin Paul thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having us cheers cheers Cheers. right some time for Reader FU Chris you've got the first piece I've got the the first piece yeah it comes from Matt Harris and Matt says, hi, I don't care if you read this email out or not, but having just listened to the most recent IGN UK podcast, I feel it necessary to tell you that it would be my last. Uh, your delivery seems increasingly lacklustre. Your news is at best regurgitated from other people's work on the web. And each of you seems to have an ever dwindling pool of useful knowledge and insight. Um, as a podcast presented by journalists, the UK version offers a pale comparison to the passion, knowledge and insight delivered by Beyond and the other US shows. Future generations, and yes, I'm taking the piss, deserve less of you and more of why they tune in. Adios, Matt Harris. So I'd apologise to Matt, but he's not listening, so... <laughs> He'll never <laughs> so hear what it. What are you going to say, then, Chris? But thank what, you for what, the what, feedback, Matt. Uh, much appreciated. But Maybe mi- anyone else want to let us know their thoughts? Anyone on? else want to give us a kick in? Um, <laughs> yeah. Bit of a mixed week on the old feedback front, because we got that, and then some of the people setting up fan groups on yeah. Facebook for us. Oh yeah, that was lovely, wasn't which, it? Which leads to the next piece of feedback. Oh, Seamless oh. better than Luke. Links. Links. So happens when I'm highlighted. Let's hear it, Rich. I need cheering up. Stephen Shearer says, I'm writing to inform you that we have recently made an IGN UK podcast group. People can talk about games, movies, ask questions, or talk utter nonsense, much like the podcast. If people are interested, then the group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IGN UK podcast. So get yourself there and I'm sign up. If that you like URL hadn't already been taken. Um, <laughs> I, I, Can we buy that from you? Sh- should we have done that though? <laughs> probably. Our one's probably IGN underscore UK podcast. Yeah, probably. So we love an underscore. Um, <laughs> that's really nice though. Have you looked at it? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. And what's going on um, there? When I looked, there was 37 members on there. Okay. Uh, I didn't actually join it myself. So. Oh, well, thanks, Rich. Are you Matt Harris? I don't like it. Ah. <laughs> uh. That's more. That's more than listen to this podcast, though. So that's encouraging. Yeah, I think it's really nice. And we had another one, uh, another piece of feedback as well, asking us to give it a shout out. So there you go. Awesome. Shouted out. Daniel, have you got the next piece Hello. of feedback? Right. Yes. The next piece of feedback is from Anthony Wilson. I just got myself a PS4 and a Vita. Can you guys recommend any good Vita games that I should get? I love RPGs, FPS, and action adventure. The odd platformer, mystery, and racing games. It's a bit of everything. Um, I have a Vita. First thing I recommend is getting a PS Plus subscription, mm. which means you'll get one to two um, Vita games a um, a month. So, you know, if you want to build your collection that way, I think that's a really good way of doing it. And there's lots of good stuff out on the Vita. I'm a particular fan of um, um, the Uncharted game that came out. I thought it was really good. But the best game, my favourite game that I play a lot on Vita is Oli Oli, which mm. is a skateboarding game. It's very simple. has this really strangely intuitive control scheme which probably takes you about 45 minutes to get your head around because it seems slightly backward and counterintuitive but then once it clicks you go well why would you use any other control system for a skateboarding game it's like it's it's basically the opposite of what you've learned to do through tony hawk so is it kind of like skate um not really it's kind of just side on it's very minimal but once you get really into it it's all about chaining high scores Cool. So I definitely recommend that. So I think that'd I be my big recommendation. You really like Tearaway as well, didn't you? Oh, on Vita. Oh, Tearaway. Oh, yeah. Tearaway is one of the. I think that's maybe that might be the game I've given the highest score to on IGN. Mm. I gave it a nine point four. I think it's a beautiful game. Like it's all set in a papercraft world, so everything's made from paper and card. And you know the Vita, Chris. It's got like a touchscreen on front. It's got mm. a touchscreen on the back. And some points in the game, you've got a touch the back panel. And what happens? Our fingers, your fingers rip through the world uh, and you move things that's cool. about. That's clever. And it's obviously they're not your fingers. Mm. 
they've animated real life fingers, but it kind of creates this weird illusion where you're reaching into the game. That's so for a game that's all about texture and tactility, you really do feel like you're manipulating it with your hands. It's probably one of the uh, first Vita games that's actually utilised those controls in a it, really it's, it's creative the, way. I think it's the one Vita game that utilises every single weird bit of kit the Vita mm. has. So the Vita is like ridiculously over-engineered. It's got like a camera on the front and the back. It's got touch screens of the wazoo. It's got loads of weird buttons everywhere. And the game uses all of them. Like, it'll take pictures and you put your face into the game mm. and you'll appear in the sun that's in the corner of the screen, <laughs> your little face. So it's a really unique game that really makes the Vita make sense. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah, that one. Thanks for, rec- <laughs> Thanks yeah. for remembering that one. <laughs> that's two good recommendations. Uh, I have a read a bit of feedback that I don't want to read out. Because if you listen to the podcast about a month ago, it didn't go well when I read out some feedback from this guy. Do I have to? Is he a ranking member in an you have army? To, yeah. He says, uh, hey, it's me again, Sergeant Wataz. Say that again. <laughs> but unfortunately, Alex isn't here because when, when I said it last time, it made him hysterical. Um, all right. Hey, it's me again, Sergeant Wataz. And if I would buy something from the movie verse, it would be the Thor hammer and or Cap's shield. Uh, thanks for that, Sergeant. Um, he continues, the person who let my email get read last podcast should be punished because I can at least one minute of laughter and silence in that podcast. Uh, I cause at least. Uh, plus, that should be added to the 250th podcast. Uh, lots of love, Sergeant Wataz. Nice. So, uh, thank you, Sergeant Wataz. How many times have I said that now in this podcast? <laughs> Probably I, about I 10. think it's good, though. You've said it so many times, it's, it's lost all its... It's numb good. now, yeah. it? That's what I was doing there. Uh, and good choices for movie props. Yeah. And, yeah, so uh, just a reminder about the episode 250. If you do have any favourite moments from the previous podcast, do send them in. Yeah, because Rich has got to compile them all. Yeah, and we're only nine episodes away from 250, so probably eight, actually. Eight episodes away, then 250, so that's good. Um, on to the next piece of feedback from Kyle Barrett. He says, just wondering if any of you are watching Utopia on Channel 4, and if so, what do you think? Personally, I think it's one of the best British jump, best British dramas of recent years with a great mix of black comedy and extreme violence. You watching it? Yes and no. I watched the first series. I've been recording the second series. I haven't mm. started it yet because I'm. Yeah, yes. I thought for an instant, like, we are Schrodinger's viewer. Yeah. I'm both watching it and not watching <laughs> it. I'm, I'm knee deep in a bunch of other shows, so I'm just kind of collecting yeah, them. There's just so many. Uh, but equally, I thought it was really good, but also it really freaked me out. Why? I found, I, there's just something really unnerving about that show okay. and the performances and the violence. Uh, one of the guys in it is, um, oh, what's he called from Kill List? I've totally forgotten his name. I've gone blank on his name. But he's scary in Kill This and he's scary in this. Neil Maskell, that's the boy. Terrifying. Oh, the beard? No, he's the shorter of the two guys. Right, okay. Um, guys in Kill List. Yes, yeah, good choice though. Yeah, good recommendation. It's a really interesting yeah, show. Yeah, like really kind of stylistic, isn't it? And mm. looks really good. Um, and he also has a suggestion for the 250th podcast. Uh, one of my favourite moments includes the time in episode 208 when the team acts out a listener's dream, the highlights of which include Krupa's appalling acting, Alex suggesting someone should go home and come back next year, you wanker, and Stu and Stu's Luke Carmali impression. I don't remember that. I don't remember what this dream thing was. And also, appalling acting, please. <laughs> uh, number six on the feedback list is from Kyle. Kyle says, with the recent release of the trailer for Fifty Shades of Grey adaptation, I was wondering what you think is the worst book that has ever been made into a film or TV series. Hmm. For Does me, he mean the worst adaptation? Yeah, the worst adaptation. Okay. Yeah. For me, it has to be Lord of the Rings for the best adaptation and Glover's Travels for the worst. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you which one's mine, Chris. While you have a little think of yeah. yours, Guy Pearce version of Time tra- Time Machine. Yeah, that's not. That's good, awful because you know Samantha what you've Mamba. done. You ruined it. That's the wise bad. <laughs> you've cast you've cast Irish pop sensation. <laughs> Sorry, and you know what? Quite an ephemeral ephemeral sensation. Samantha Mumba as the romantic lead. Yep, it didn't awful. work, did it? Yeah, awful. Captain Corelli Spendalin's quite bad as well. Uh, I can't. Th- I can't uh, you put me on the spot now. Mm. Uh, I th- I'll tell you two great ones though, uh, where they always say the film's not better than the book, and in all the rings it might not be better than the book. But I think Jaws and The Godfather. There's a good argument that the film's better than the book in both cases. Both bestsellers as well. Peter Benchley, Jaws. Yeah, Mario Puzo. 
Godfather. Both good books, oh, but the so, films oh, may be better. That's the thing, because it's such a cliche. I think people, people who like to flaunt the fact that they read, like to say, oh, the book's always better. Yeah. The book's always, oh, you've got to read the book. Have you not read the book? You've not read the book. That's, that's good acting. And, <laughs> but there's loads of films that are better than the book. Like, I, Exorcist. Exorcist. Like, Peter Batty's book is good. The film is better. Silence of the Lambs. You know, Ooh, yeah. great book, great film. I don't know which one I'd pick as my favourite. Robert Block Psycho, Hitchcock Psycho. Yeah. Like Robert Block was a great genre writer. This is a better conversation. Let's and be positive. Some, and he did some great stuff. So, but it is going to be interesting come the end of the year because you've got Fifty Shades of Grey. We're all, those are all good books that were made into great movies. Yeah. Uh, Fish Shades of Grey is by all accounts a not very good book the, the, the film could be much better than the book it's a, it's a good director they've got making that movie I don't movie. think it's going to be because I think people are going to be expecting really raunchy stuff from the film but because that's all in their minds but they're not going to get that they're not going to get the probably the um, the extremity of, of what they were reading they might get a good movie though because just the, the choice of director I'd re- be really surprised if she doesn't make something that's of some interest at some point uh, I've forgotten her name uh, uh, so, uh, Sam, Sam Taylor yeah. Sam Taylor Wood yeah no not Sam, Sam Taylor Wood John, uh, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson's wife yeah. I, I think this bloke was right about his criticism <laughs> but the other interesting one is Gone Girl as well because oh, it's yes. a really good book uh, I love the book uh, didn't love the ending they've got the girl who wrote the book to write the screenplay for the movie and she has rewritten the ending apparently for the film really so that's really interesting that maybe she agrees that she didn't completely nail it yeah on the Second page chance. yeah so i'll be interested if that's if that's better than the book but that's going to be good anyway cuz it's fincher it's fincher it? and they've cast it they've cast oh fight club's another great adaptation yeah. great book. uh they've cast it really well as well ben affleck having mm. read the book he's perfect for this entitled good looking asshole that you really don't like yeah. but he's the main character um, well, we're seeing, are we seeing, we're seeing the renaissance of Ben Affleck. Like it's been happening for a few years, yeah, and it's going in different kind renaissance. of renaissance. Sorry, yeah, it took me ages. It's going in different, like it's having different kind of periods and eras with Ben, like Ben, like I know, <laughs> but he went for a period where oh Affleck, like he had the first phase where he kind of went to become a big star and he got his big comic book role and it kind of went a bit wrong. Then he kind of resurrected his career by going into directing more, mm. doing more interesting roles like obviously Argo being a high point. And now he's almost having both sides to that career. It's really interesting what yeah, he's doing. Yeah, I, I find it can sometimes be a bit of a smug screen presence. I think that was my problem with him. And he just made a, he made a lot of quite bad films mm. in a row. And, with, you know, the, and, off and with, also the J-Lo era. Like yeah, the, 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 the celebrity yeah. got the best. You know, stuff like Good Will, Will Hunting. If you just stayed making movies like Good Will Hunting. Or if you look at the way, the, the choices or that Damon. Matt Damon yeah, made. Yeah. Much more interesting choices than Affleck. But good on him. He's reinvented himself. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what he directs next. I'm not that bothered about seeing him acting. I want to see him direct again. Yeah. So cool. that's it. That's it for reader feedback. Now, what's out this week? I think there's one film, one game that are both essentials. So do you want to kick off with the film, Chris? Yeah, because we talked about it last week. Uh, it's <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. It's in cinemas right now. In fact, this morning, we're recording this on the Thursday. This morning, I went to see it again because they didn't put the post credit sting or Easter egg on the, uh, the, the print that's screened for press anywhere in the world. So we went to check it out and we've got a video that will be on the site by the time this podcast uploads uh, of me to, me and Dan talking about that post credit sting. So if you want to know what that's all about. It's a goodie. Yeah, it's, it's a good an one. It's an one. unexpected yeah. one. But um, yeah, it's a great movie. Seeing it a second time, it stands up. It's just as good as uh, seeing it the first time. It's it? It's so funny. Yeah, I think it is my favourite Marvel movie. Wow. I think it is... It's re- it just it's so it just works. There's a self-contained story that introduces mm. characters, tells a story. It does it's, so much in two hours. Yeah, it really it's does, funny. Yeah. It's exciting. It's quite masterful it's, in that it's sense. It's sad. It's got a lot going. It's for got it. a lot of heart to it. Yeah. It's, it's funny that a film can be. I said this in the review. It's funny that a film could be that sweet and that sardonic. Yeah. And really commit to both. Yeah. It really, it does something quite special. I think a really good balance to it. How well do you think it'll do? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know what the awareness is like for that one. Uh, it's going to get great word of mouth, though. I think, is, you get yeah. repeat you know, viewing. I think you'll we, get repeat viewing. We know the... that people listen to this podcast and people that come to IGN are going to know all about Guardians Repeat's of the Galaxy. Repeat converted, aren't we? Yeah. yeah, but it's it's those people that don't, you know, read comics or you don't know everything about the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Yeah, the Marvel logo isn't enough reason to go see a film. Mm. And, it's, and interesting. it's got no movie stars in it. No. Yeah, well, not yet. 
I'm going to be it's going to be Zoe Saldana, but um, again, she might not be the instantly recognisable lead no, because she's always hidden. She's not a household name. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like talking to some of my friends, and I, I say, oh, "You've got to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. It's amazing." And they'll they'll say, "Really?" Like I, I looked at the trailer. Mm. I didn't really think it was all that. Yep. And I, I, to be honest, I thought the same thing. I've heard that from people as well. So in the trailer, and they're like, it, "It's kind yeah, of it's kind really? of a risky move when you get a trailer which isn't really." incredible but then the film's incredible um, as opposed to getting kept, like an amazing trailer and then being the disappointed for the film like, yeah they and that, that's good stuff, i think yeah. they should do that but i think it'll get i think it'll generate a lot of buzz it'll be good word of mouth but yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it performs and what it means for the future of like these other bits in the marvel universe that we can't really talk about without getting spoiler territory yeah but i'm but, glad they've greenlit the the next one and that james gunn's writing and directing because he's a good Thoroughly deserved. Also, like if Joss Whedon mm. had a hand in that, because the reportedly he said, like, you know, you go away and you make the script more James Gunn. Yeah, no, that's what he told and me. And, it, and if he can, you know, the fact that Whedon's there giving these, you know, I think after the Ant Man Edgar Wright thing, people maybe jumped to some wrong conclusions, going, Marvel's playing it safe. You go see Guardians, you get the sense that they are not playing it safe. No. Mm. Um, okay, um, one game out this week. It is the PS version of The Last of Us, Last of Us Remastered. Remastered. Now, we've talked about... I'm not going to dwell on this too long because we've talked about The Last of Us at length on this podcast um, last year. But it is, you know, the PS3's probably defining game. It's probably one of the most defining games of the last five, ten years. And now you can play it on PS4. It's kind of been remastered. It's 60 frames per second. It's 1080p. You get all the um, DLC content. You've got all the in. DLC. You've got um, Ellie's um, the two-hour expansion. And yeah, so it's one of the finest games. And what's quite cool with it is there's this photo mode in it. So you can like control the camera and take, mm. you can pause the game and take like very atmospheric pictures. Like GTA. Yeah, and the game is so beautiful that some people, have, I've seen them on Twitter a lot this week, people are putting out these beautiful stills that they've taken from the game. And the game's so beautiful at any moment. It just looks amazing. We've got a picture that um, we got from Twitter from a lot of IGN readers. And he took a picture of the main character, Joel. And he's just looking directly into camera. And I like clicked on it a minute, full screen. And the detail's incredible. Like, you can see little bits of grey in his beard and he's like little cuts on nicks on his neck and it's a, it's an amazing game mm. and if you've not played it i can't think of a better way to experience it so what was the uh the live show that they did oh yeah like in, i think that was on monday in la they mm. kind of um they got all the cast together they got troy baker they got ellie um ashley johnson they played the score live and they did a live reading of the script and at the end of it there was also an easter egg where um, i think neil Druckmann showed a scene that it's like an Easter egg. And I don't know if, because I've not finished the remastered version mm. yet. I don't know whether they've put it into the remastered version of the game, but there's a, a scene that wasn't in the original game. And I think it's set some like several years later mm. after the end of the game. Actually, I won't say any more just in case people mm. haven't played yeah, Last of yeah. Us yet. But this, maybe there's a reason to think what might happen in the future. But I'll just leave it at that for now. Cool. Yes, yeah, I think that's probably the best releases we've ever had. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, a great weekend. That's a good weekend. So it'd be good if everyone played one and watched the other and let us know what they thought. Yeah, and how can they do that? I don't know. They can email us at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Well, there you go. They can tweet us. Yeah, but don't send in mean things. No, send mean things. Constructive. Yeah, I got loads of mean things last week, didn't I? Um, (laughs) At Krupa. At our bear park. At Tilly Tweets. There you go. Uh, we had a bit of an event this week as well. Just want to thank everyone that came down. We did an Expendables 3 quiz, an action movie quiz. Uh, so if you came down, you saw me, Rich and Krupa sweating for four hours trying to that was it really hot, wasn't it? it was hot and it was hard work. It was work. good though, because you had Terry Crews doing some of the questions. Terry Crews yeah. did some of the questions. He got he got some laughs. Um, yeah, apologies for the body parts round. I was told that that was too difficult. Although one team got 10 out of 10. Can we tell so. what you actually did for the body parts round? You didn't yeah. just like get your... Ch- chap out yeah. I didn't get my chap out why would I get my chap out uh, I took a body part of each of the expendables from different like posters and photographs that they've done and then we just we cut out that body part flashed it up on screen and then people had to figure so, like, out Arnie's pecs just like appearing on screen as Arnie's, like, name. Arnie's pecs Sly's bicep Gibson's blue eyes Lundgren's abs Lundgren's abs uh, and uh, Harrison, Antonio Banderas's hairy chest Harrison Ford's earringed ear, ear. <laughs> Uh, bejeweled ear Kelsey Grammer's the, his dome head <laughs> I thought that was really easy Statham's chin uh, and Wesley Snipes teeth 
Yeah. <laughs> which are beautiful. They are beautiful gnashes. I'm glad that you can just rattle them all off just instantly. <laughs> I've looked at them for a you lot. You do that quiz. I spent an afternoon looking at body parts. But no, thanks everyone came down. I hope you had a good time. We we did when we weren't stressing out. Um, yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll do more of them because it's good fun. Yeah. Uh, equal, I, I met one listener though who to the podcast who made a request he asked that Rich Bear Park do some magic on the podcast. Is this happening right now? And I said, I, sp- I said to the guy, wait, so not, don't forget it's audio, not just video. And uh, I, sp- I put this to Rich and Rich said, oh, I've got an audio magic book. Uh, so I'm going to go away and learn a trick. Yeah. So Rich, now's Great. your time. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, um, you, you said you were going to do it. You, yeah, even yesterday, it, you said you were going to do it. And you were practicing all week, so. Yeah. Have you got anything? I've got nothing. Oh, oh sorry. Rich. I want to apologise to that. Oh. I brought in my book today and I was going through it and I thought, well, I could either do this in a half-assed manner and be it, make it okay or I can go away and I can really study it and practice I, it I okay, think, and think, get it down. I, yeah, I and think. maybe not next week, but sometime in the very near future, <laughs> there's going to be a trick on this podcast, an audio trick for the listeners at home. Well, after, after will literally blow your mind. Well, after, I hope so. Oh, okay, cool. So Rich is going to go away, have a good, long, hard think about what he wants to do with his life, practice that trick, and he'll return at some <laughs> indefinite point in the future. I'm yeah, going to go away. Anyway, I've, I'm going to go I'm away. Tease. I'm going to go away and watch Back to the Future. I'm supposed to be dressed in 50s gear for people watching the video. I don't know if this is 50s gear. Jeans are. Um, this, how, how many times have you watched Back to the Future in the last month? Uh, a few times. times, yeah, because I did post a, a, a video on things you didn't know about Back to the Future, which you'd all watch because me and Rich slaved over that. We did. But yeah, I'm, I watched it a lot of times anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, great film. But yeah, so hopefully if Secret Cinema actually happens, mm. I can give you guys a report next week. Yeah. I think we should call, we should bring all this to an end. Shall we? Yes, I think we should. Uh, this was the podcast. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah, cheerio, guys. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.